Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Generally Irritable. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics today with a pretty smart person who's been doing the exact kind of research I have been saying that we need. Uh, you guys, I am so excited. Uh, today, we've got on Dr. John Lott. He is a, a well-known gun rights advocate, for lack of a better word. Uh, but more importantly, he runs the Crime Prevention Research Center. And this organization, this nonprofit, it works to actually study crime crime statistics, the effect of policing, uh, effective policing, the effect on carrying guns, uh, open carry, uh, gun ownership, all of these things. And so when I get to listen to podcasters like Coleon Noir or Steven Crowder, folks that we like that are well-researched and have great information that they're sharing to educate you and I, on protecting our Second Amendment rights. Dr. John Law is one of those people, his organization, uh, they are go-to informers for this space. Now, everybody knows the Second Amendment is, is the right to self-protection, uh, the right to bear arms. And it has been under attack in this country, particularly in Vermont, for quite some time. Uh, before we went on air, I was sharing uh, with Dr. Lott that Vermont actually had the most permissive gun laws in the country. When the federal government said you couldn't have a suppressor, Vermont said, screw you, federal government, you can have a suppressor. So before 2018, in really the safest state in the union, there were no gun laws. And now all of a sudden that we've got drug traffickers getting arrested. We've got human and sex trafficking rings being busted in Burlington. We have a, a thousand plus fold increase in illegal border crossings. They want to take away your right to self-protection. When we have record shootings in Burlington, like never before in this state, they are saying, the Vermont legislature are saying, you Vermonters, not only are we going to defund the police so that they're not there to protect you, but also we're going to take away the thing that lets you protect yourself. And so this is a super important topic to me because uh, everyone who has studied history knows that gun control is the beginning of the end of a free citizenry. It is There is a reason it was put in the Bill of Rights after the right to uh, freedom of press, freedom of association, freedom of speech, all of these things. The Second Amendment protects the first, and that is something we can't ever forget. So without further ado, I would like to introduce my, my guest today, Dr. John Lott from the C Crime Prevention Research Center. Thank you so much for being on with us today. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Now, By the way, I'm not a gun advocate or gun rights advocate. We're just researchers who look at the issues, try to figure out what works and what doesn't work. Well, and isn't it that simple? Uh, you know, I, reading your background in history, um, you come from a background of economics, which to me means like you're accustomed to looking at data and analyzing it. Is that a fair assessment? 
well, I mean, that's what a lot of economists do. But uh, <laughs> look, uh, economics uh, has a couple simple principles. One of them is if something's more costly, people do less of it. If they're greater mm. returns, people do more. And that applies to everything from if the price of apples go up, people buy fewer apples to crime. Uh, if it's mm. riskier for criminals to go and commit crime, they're going to do less crime. Uh, so it, it matters for both of those things. And a lot of economists study issues like crime. Well, and that's what I think what I just heard you say is you're kind of taking all of the emotion and politics and salaciousness out of the conversation. And you're just looking at data. What happens if this happens versus this? And so that's, I mentioned that Politico article. I love this. I thought it was so funny when I read the first line, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is supposed to be a hit piece, but you know, that you have provocative research showing that allowing widespread gun ownership and implementing policies, making it easier to carry a gun in public. Can you say, can you tell our audience a little bit more about that research and what you found? Right. Well, I mean, uh, I had a research article that came out and started getting attention in 1996 about concealed carry. We've looked at 13 different types of gun control laws, uh, myself and a person named David Mustard. And... uh, the one that we found that seemed to make a real difference was uh, concealed carry. Uh, I had a book that came out in 1998, More Guns, Less Crime, from the University of Chicago Press. But the basic notion is that just as you can make it riskier for criminals to commit crime with higher arrest rates or higher conviction rates or longer prison sentences, the fact that a would-be victim uh, might be able to go and defend themselves can also make it riskier for criminals to go and commit crime. Um, I mean, that just makes sense, right? I mean, that's just, that just seems like simple math right there. Here's that book, you guys, if you want to go check it out, get it from amazon.com. I don't know if it's on your website. Maybe it's better for them to order from there, but. It doesn't matter. I mean, they can order in either place. Yeah. Here's that book they were taught that uh, Dr. Lott was just talking about you guys. Um, You know, I've heard anecdotes in the past with things like, oh, uh, an armed society is a polite society and, and things like that. And I think that you spoke to something that's so important, which is if there is a risk that I'm going to get hurt as a criminal, or if, if, um, if I know that there's a chance that somebody could interfere with whatever crime I'm trying to commit, um, I may be less likely to do it or, I'm going to go look for a place where it will be more likely to, to where it will be more likely to get away with it, like a gun free zone. Right. What well, have you seen? Oh, go ahead. Right. Uh, look, I mean, I was chief economist at the U.S. Sentencing Commission in Washington, and I must have read a thousand trial transcripts, uh, criminal trial uh, transcripts. And what you just see over and over again is criminals. Uh, take into account the risk of their actions. So you'll get many cases where one robber will turn state's evidence against another robber and the prosecution will kind of always ask them the same questions. Why did you pick this particular target? And they'll say, Mm -hmm. well, you know, uh, 
We, we talked about robbing the drug dealer down the street, but uh, he has lots of money, but he also has lots of guns. It'd be kind of crazy to go after him. Uh, we talked about going after a cab driver, but a lot of the cab drivers are armed. Uh, and then we saw this small woman walking across the parking lot late at night by herself, uh, and she looked like an easy target. Um, you know, or look at something like these mass uh, public shootings. Uh, you know, you can read the diaries or manifestos of these killers, and they very frequently uh, will explain why they picked the targets that they did. Uh, you can read uh, the manifesto for the Buffalo uh, mass murderer last year uh, at the grocery store, uh, where he uh, explicitly uh, explains that he wanted to go to a place where he didn't think uh, his victims would have permitted concealed handguns because that would make them uh, easier targets to go after. Um, yeah, so, this just seems see like basic logic, right? Like yeah, well, they mean, may be criminals, but... But they're not stupid. Uh, their goal yeah. in the case of the mass murders there is to get media attention. And they know the more people they kill, uh, the more media attention they're going to get. And they know if they go to a place where victims aren't able to go and defend themselves, they're going to be more successful in killing more people. Yep. That's one of our one of our viewers, Benjamin, just said, looking for soft targets. Who knew? You know, this is one of the things that is is so clear and so apparent when you're talking to folks like you or folks like me who are are advocates for gun ownership. But what are you hearing when you're when you're testifying, when you're, you know, working for the for um, the oh, my gosh, was it the Department of Defense or Department of the Judiciary? Now, forgive me, Dr. Lott. Department of um, Justice. That's right. So when you're working with people who, you know, disagree with you and you say things like, you know, uh, most, you know, mass shootings happen in gun free zones. Do they do they acknowledge that? Are they saying, well, yeah, but if we just make everything a gun free zone, like how do they overcome the reality of of, of reality how how are these people in the right. face of obvious well, what they research do, and truth right well what they do yeah. is uh the gun control groups come up with their own numbers so you have to mm -hmm. understand what uh, mass public shooting is defined as uh basically what the fbi does when it looks at things like active shootings and stuff it goes and looks at uh shootings that occur in public places that are not part of some other type of crime. Um, and there's reasons why they do that, because they want to try to get at those cases where somebody goes into a mall or a school or, uh, you know, someplace else with the sole purpose of trying to go and kill other people. And uh, what happens is uh, the gun control groups will come back. You have places like the Gun Violence Archive, which is constantly being cited by the news media. And they have their own definition. Uh, so mass, when you're talking about mass, the typical uh, FBI definition has been four or more people. So a mass public shooting is four or more people uh, murdered in a public place, not part of some other type of crime like a robbery or a gang fight over drug turf. What someplace like the Gun Violence Archive does, which is you hear like, well, there's been 100 
uh, shootings so far this year, uh, mass shootings. Um, that what they define it as three or more people injured and or killed uh, in any place. And what most of their cases, about 87% or so of their cases involve are essentially gang fights over drug turf. Are, are those important? Yeah. Uh, do they matter? Sure they matter. But the problem is, is that uh, the causes and solutions for those are very different. Very different. Uh, the rest of the uh, shootings that they have are like robberies uh, where people mm. have been injured. And, uh, you know, the thing is, uh, the type of targets that uh, occur with mass public shootings where the goal is simply to go and kill lots of people uh, are like what we were talking about before. Their goal is to get media coverage. Uh, they know the more people they kill, the more media coverage that they're going to get. And they know if they go to a place where victims aren't able to defend themselves, they're going to go and kill more people. Uh, with uh, gang fights over drug turf, uh, they know that they're going up against somebody else who's armed. Uh, what's, uh, you know, so what they are, what's driving them is uh, the desire to go and make money. They, uh, the, when there's more profit from selling drugs, you have more gang fights over drug turf that occurs. Um, well, but and that's my another way. My understanding they're skewing those statistics you're talking about is they're calling 18 year olds. Uh, number one, they're calling 18 year olds or even like under 25 in some cases I've read kids and children. Like they've redefined what a child is, and in in a lot of in many states. Um, the age of majority has been right. raised. And, and so now you're basically saying, well, you can now commit crimes and be treated like a juvenile until you're older. Um, and what's happening is those gangs are then recruiting young people because they know they're not going to get locked up or they're not going to get um, convicted like an adult. And so yeah, they're well, skewing those... I mean, this is mm. a very different issue. I mean, when we're okay. talking about uh, when we're talking about mass shootings or mass public shootings, that that doesn't involve necessarily the age of people at all. Uh, what you're talking about are claims like uh, more people are killed with uh, or more more children die from guns and other sources. Right. Um, that's yes, that's exactly. Okay. Yep, that's what I'm trying to say. Like that's the number one. Uh, cause of death for children and it's like but they're not children they're grown that you're defining right. as children right so if you read the original articles that, that that this is based on there was like a letter in the journal of the american medical association uh which uh said children or teens so that's how they basically get up to mm. 19 years of age the thing is there are a lot of issues with the numbers one is um, uh, they use homicides rather than murders. And the difference between homicides and murders is homicides are murders plus justifiable homicides. You know, it's not obvious to me that if uh, you have a rapist break into your house at 2 a.m. in the morning and you fatally shoot him, that that's the same as, uh, you know, a robbery where the mur robbery, robber murders the person that's there. Uh, that is very different. Right. 
Yeah, and that so is, it's and that's that that's a bad thing that happens. And it's so, but that's just one thing. The other thing, well, just and, to make it clear, is that go ahead. Oh no, I go, go ahead and finish. I'll ask when you're done. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, one of the things that you're speaking to is the defensive use of firearms, right? So to me, a, justifi a justifiable homicide, I think is what you called it, is a defensive use of a gun. And right. my understanding, Dr. Law, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's something in the range of 15 to 20,000 uh, shootings, murders a year or homicides, maybe, um, there's about 30,000 suicides by gun a year. And I'm doing like, you know, I'm just, uh, summarizing or averaging. Um, but there's something like one over a million defensive uses of a firearm in a year. So yeah. <clears throat> if, if it, that's another one of those statistics where I go, if we know that there's all these self-defensive uses and there's a fraction of those of, of the time a gun is being used in the wrong way, I mean, shouldn't that be enough to set the scales? All right. Uh, so, yeah, there's about uh, any place from like nine to 15,000 murders that occur each year with uh with guns uh you have uh another 20,000 or so uh suicides involving guns uh you you're basically talking about uh in most years about 70% or so of of suicide, of gun deaths involve suicides uh almost all the rest involve murders and then you have about one percent or so involve uh accidental gun deaths uh, mm. and uh, uh you know that's uh, obviously suicides are bad uh the problem is is that uh you know the issue is even if you ban guns in places that have banned handguns for example which are the primary way that people use guns for suicide uh, you, you know, like Washington, D.C. or Chicago, you essentially see no change in total suicides. You may see a drop in, uh, in gun, suicides, gun suicides, but people simply switch to other ways to go and commit suicide. Uh, and that's pretty much true in other places around the world, which have seen, uh, bans on guns. Um, so, uh, you know, Suicides are something you'd like to try to prevent, but uh, you have to realize that there are a lot of very close substitutes. Often what people will bring up is they'll say things like, um, uh, you know, we have uh, just, they'll, they'll compare firearm suicides to all other forms of suicides. Mm. And, and then you'll get a fairly big difference in terms of the success rate. But the problem is, they're lumping together lots of different things. So, for example, right. uh, suicides with sleeping pills have a very low success rate. You're talking about five or six percent. And that's because people who try to do that may take like five pills or something. Is that healthy to take five pills? Probably not. But it's not going to kill you. Uh, most people who try to do that simply are trying to get uh, make a call for help. Uh, but there are other ways like hanging oneself or jumping off a bridge or a high place or walking in front of a train or a bus or taking cyanide. 
that have essentially the same probability of being successful uh, as uh, shooting oneself in the head with a handgun. Well, and I think that the the important thing for me is like all of those are tragic and all of those are awful. But when you look at the number of self-defensive uses, and I love this page on y'all's website, you guys, I'm at crimeresearch.org. Okay, so everybody watching, go to crimeresearch.org. You can find more about CPRC, all the work that they're doing. Um, but I particularly like this defensive use page because that's one of the things I think is so is is just so confusing to me is, yes, every death is tragic. But when, you know, so, when exponentially more people are saved by carrying and owning a gun, how are you how do you justify taking away the guns from everybody? because of a handful of bad ones it's as if like do you okay i'm gonna ask you to speculate dr lot this is i'm gonna ask you to speculate um do you think that the people trying to implement gun control do you think the people trying to eliminate um our right to self-defense and things like that do you think that they just it's hard to not see them as, um, you know, uh, as bad people. I hate to say it like that, but like ill-intentioned. Because if we can see that there's, you know, a million self-defensive uses and only, you know, 30,000 bad uses. And you can see, you know, we have all these statistics that show there's, you know, less crime. Well, the median includes lots of cases where one's life isn't threatened you know you compare it to uh okay. 15,000 murders or something like that those are not really apples to apples i assume mm. what you want to do is compare uh the number of defensive gun uses to all gun crimes and when you do mm. that find that there's about five times more uh defensive gun uses than there are crimes committed with guns it's probably more of an apples to apples comparison. Yeah. Well, and that's what, so if we know that, then why do they try to make suicide the issue? Why do they discount the research that shows that people are safer for having guns? It's, to me, it's a, it's hard for me to see it as anything other than ill-intentioned. And I, you know, well, there's- about what they're why they're doing the stuff that they're doing i mean you can mm -hmm. see uh, people like michael bloomberg spends hundreds of millions mm -hmm. of dollars every year on financing research the federal government spends about a hundred million dollars a year financing wow. gun control research uh you have states like california and others uh california spends like 10 million dollars a year uh you have uh, the arnold foundation that's put in 50 million dollars uh, you have Soros and others that wow. put in $20 million a, a year. You know, those add up. There's a massive amount of money out there to go and finance particular research. And if you look at surveys of academics, you find that there's basically uh, three general types of academics who work in this area. You have criminologists, you have economists, and you have public health people. Um, okay. Criminologists and public health people are fairly skeptical of gun control. 
uh, public health people are much more likely to be in favor of gun control. Uh, the interesting thing is that the money, you know, all the money that Bloomberg has, the money that the federal government has, uh, the money that uh, California and these other states have, the money that uh, that the Arnold Foundation and others overwhelmingly put into is uh, for public health people. And I think it's basically because they know these are people who basically agree with their goal. I'm not saying that the money buys people's beliefs on these things, but they go to the people that are sympathetic. And even within the public health people, the people who are most likely to get the money are the ones who uh, support uh, the same positions. I mean, you just had this kind of scandal this last year where uh, the gun control groups like the Gun Violence Archive went to uh, the Centers for Disease Control and lobbied them at, with help from the Biden administration uh, to get them to remove uh, from their the CDC website information on the number of defensive gun uses that occur, the numbers that what? you've been talking about. And, uh, uh, their argument, one of their arguments was that the CDC had to remove it because that information, uh, like what you're talking about, was being used uh, to and make it more difficult for them to go and get the types of gun control laws passed that they wanted to get passed. And so... Um, uh, yeah, we can't have people knowing the truth. That's dangerous. <laughs> right. Oh, that is outrageous. Um, and so to me, I, I, unfortunately, you're just sort of confirming that really it is ill intent. Um, we've got the Bloomberg group here in Vermont. Well, I, I, I mean, do I think that they really do believe uh, what they're saying? Yeah, I think that they believe it. I think they are misguided. I think they're wrong. But, uh, you know, in some sense, you can't blame lots of people. Uh, if you constantly hear only about bad things that happen with guns and virtually never hear about the benefits, it's not mm. too surprising that people have the views that they do. So in 2021, uh, we did a kind of a deep dive on media coverage on defensive gun use and gun crimes. You take the five largest newspapers in the United States, the USA Today, the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal. And between those five papers, they had a total of 10 defensive gun uses. Almost all of them had something go wrong. But uh, at the same time, they had 1,700 plus news stories about somebody being killed or wounded in a gun crime situation. They had over 2,700 news stories about gun crimes. Uh, you had in CNN and MSNBC, they had zero defensive gun uses. Uh, and so, you know, you're somebody who thinks you're well read, you read the major newspapers, you listen to CNN and MSNBC religiously, uh, and you virtually never hear about any uh, defensive gun uses, if you hear about any of them or read about any of them. And a couple times that you do, something goes wrong. And so, uh, but at the same time, you're hearing constantly about lots and lots of gun crimes. And so it's not too surprising that a lot of people come away thinking, well, if we really just merely get rid of the guns, uh, people will be safer. And so that's, uh, that's what they uh, kind of push for on this stuff. Yeah, it's very, sim very simplistic 
uh, very simplistic view. It makes me wonder a little bit. Now, Dr. Lott, I was raised in Vermont, okay, very rural, rural town. Uh, my, my dad taught me how to shoot a gun when I was probably around six. Um, you know, I wasn't like running around with my own AR or anything like that, but it was, here's what gun safety is. This is what a gun is. Here is how you hold it. And, and so it was very much in our family, in our culture, um, especially growing up in a rural place, um, a military family. In your research, have you been able to determine or discover um, maybe um, like is less military and less rural? Like, are we just, These are not you when you make an AR. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. What I mean is because is it are there just less people interacting with guns, which is making it scary for no, people? I'm sure. Right. Well, I'm sure a lot of people who get affected by the media coverage on this stuff, uh, mm. you know, have no connection with guns. And you yeah. see this bias in lots of places. Uh, I'll give you one example. Uh, uh, a couple uh, seasons ago for the t TV entertainment networks, uh, about 85 percent of the criminal guns that were being uh, shown there were machine guns. They would talk about AR-15s and then go and show a machine gun being fired. And that's, wow. you know, you look since the 1930s, there's been one murder in the United States involving uh, machine guns. But yet, you know, you go and watch something like Magnum P.I. on when it was on CBS. And, uh, you know, you would think on any given episode, you have more people being killed with machine guns in Hawaii on one day than you have... Uh, uh, in the entire United States since the 1930s. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's, it is crazy the way that they, they, uh, are able to manipulate people's opinions. That's why you always got to distrust the media. All right, Dr. John Lott, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, the, uh, director of the crime prevention research center, you guys go check out their website, check out what they're doing you got books you can go read with resources, but most importantly, this is a nonprofit, right? You guys, we need to support the people who support us financially. So go to the donate page, make sure you, you know, give them some money, give them some support uh, and share and subscribe. Okay. So they've got, they've got a great. Um, All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, unfortunately, I got to run, but I greatly appreciate All right. it. Thank All right. You. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Lott. All right, you guys, that's our, our show for today. Make sure you go to crimeresearch.org and learn more about today's guests or guest singular. All right. Hold on. Oh, uh, oh, Benjamin just reminded me like, and share this video. You guys, if you want to see more content, if you want to make sure that your neighbors and uh, and the community are well educated on what we're dealing with here in Vermont and around the country. You got to share the content. You got to like it. You got to follow. That stuff tells the algorithm of these social media companies that you like this content and that they should share uh, and and highlight it some more. So we need your help to help others. So make sure to like, follow, share all of the things. 
And uh, don't forget, you can go to my subscribe star as well. There's a link in subscribe uh, to my subscribe star if you want to support more of this content. And you can buy a copy of our book, Reasons to Trust the Government. So we'll see you guys later.